Oakwood? And glad that you're here this morning and braving the weather and the, the roads. Uh, just really appreciate the effort to be here this morning. Uh, we are in a series called Christmas in the Chaos, and this is the second week of that. And we're, what we're doing is we're going through the entire Christmas story over the next several weeks. It's going to lead us uh, right up into our uh, Christmas Eve services. Uh, we're doing something different this year. If you haven't read about that or seen that yet, noted, noticed that yet, we're actually doing a Christmas Eve Eve service, okay? Now, we have experienced this through the years that some of you have family activities on Christmas Eve, and you just can't get out of going to grandma's, and so we've actually had people tell us that we never ever get to come to a Christmas Eve service, and so this year we're having a Christmas Eve Eve, so if you can't come Christmas Eve because you've got activities or plans that day, you can join us that Sunday night at 7 p.m., so we're actually having three Christmas Eve services this year. We're having an Eve Eve at 7 p.m., the next day at 4 and 7, so if you remember 747, and come at one of those times, you'll, you'll make the Christmas Eve services. But it's going to be a, a, just a great time of observing uh, what Christmas is really all about and bringing some significant meaning to that. So we're excited to have that this year. You know, one of the things about the holidays that it seems like it always makes it fun is family, right? Just, just you know, and some of you may have really fond memories of that. I've got fond memories of that, traveling and uh, my family up in Iowa and going to Iowa sometimes. Uh, for Christmas, and uh, but one of the things that when you travel and you go see family, a lot of times you get to stay at the family hotel, right? Stay with grandma, stay with your aunt or uncle, you know, and and that can just kind of be uncomfortable sometimes. You know, have you ever experienced this? You ever gone to stay at someone's house and you like go to take a shower and you don't know where the towels are? I mean, that's that can be really really awkward. You know, you're like, I, I you know, at my house we put them here, at their house. They're in another room, you know, it's like, what do we, you know, you know, you run out of toilet paper, like, where do they keep the toilet paper, you know, it's just uncomfortable. You go to the kitchen, you try to get a drink of water, right? You can't find a cup. I mean, it makes sense that the cabinet to the right would have the cups in it, but not at this house. No, no. At Auntie Fran's house, the cups are going to be in yonder cabinet. And, you know, you're just kind of uncomfortable. And sometimes you're there for a few days and you acclimate, but really about day two, you're ready to go home, Right? I mean, you ever just get that way when you're staying with somebody, you're just like, I'm ready to go home, I'm ready to go be with my, you know, be with my surroundings and be in my comfort, be in my environment where I know where the cups are when I need them, where I have everything that I need, and it's not this awkward thing of being, being there with, uh, with family. And though we love our family, sometimes it's hard, and it gets us kind of out of our system and out of our flow, and we want to go back to the comfort of what we know. We like the privacy of our own home. We like routine. We know where everything is. We are just more comfortable and feel safer when we're in our own environment at home. And the funny thing about the Christmas story is it has none of those things. It is like uh, Mary and Joseph are going to stay at Auntie Fran's forever. And, and there's just no comfort. There's no safe feelings here. If you read the entire account, you, you know right away that this is a story about uh, people who were misplaced. People that were made to be uncomfortable. It kind of reminds me of, of the people group, the Israelites at that time. They were subjugated to an invading army called the Romans. And so they were under Roman occupation when all of the Christmas story was going on. Their routines were in upheaval. Our main characters, Mary and Joseph, got displaced from their home. We're going to learn about that today, about how that happened. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. If you ever read the Christmas story or had it read to you, this is probably 
um, a passage and a few verses here today that you'll be very familiar with. Luke chapter 2, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 7. Because it's in this discomfort, it's in this place where it seems like everything's off and no one's comfortable, that God's plan is moving forward in spite of all that. And it was a plan unlike any other time in history. Luke chapter 2, if you're using one of our Bibles, turn it to page 857, and you'll be right there. You can always follow along in the app. This is what it says, Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, a Roman emperor, that all of the world should be registered. Some, some translations say that all the world, uh, that there should be a census taken. And so they were going to register for a census uh, to, be, to be counted. This was the first registration when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and lineage of David. That's King David, David and Goliath David. Same David, uh, Joseph's relation there. And he went there to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Some translations say that she was great with child, which means she was very, very pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. One of the things I think we can learn from this passage today, and this is coming from the first three verses that we read here, is that God wants to use our loss of rights for His glory. God wants to use your loss of rights for His glory. You see, the Israelites were living in the promised land. And God had established that land for them. He had given that over uh, to the Israelites that was given to them by God Almighty. And for many uh, centuries they lived there. But there was this time that when, when the Christmas story is happening that we're reading about that Rome conquered them and brought them under subjugation of their entire empire. And that meant that Rome could tax them all that they wanted to. This was the political climate that the Christmas story takes place in. So when you read that, oh yeah, we got to go to your hometown to be registered, it was not about a census. It wasn't just about uh, counting noses. It was about counting nickels. It was, it was about uh, ta- making sure that they were being taxed properly, making sure that, the, the, that Rome and even the Jews that worked for the Roman Empire were getting the money, the sufficient funds that they wanted to get. And so this was their way of making sure that everyone was accounted for because we were going to count everyone. And we wanted to make sure all the taxation was in place. It must have felt like a very dark time for the Jews. Yet throughout history, God has consistently worked in the darkness to bring about their deliverance. Even when His people had lost all of their rights at times, it seems that God worked most miraculously. He worked miracles through Joseph. We talked about that last week. Joseph in the Old Testament. He delivered his family out of famine, reunited the family, and gave Joseph a place of authority in the kingdom of Egypt. And and though the Israelites who were enslaved in Egypt, they were also being taken to the promised land. They were not going to stay there. And now the Israelites were being ruled over by Rome. But it was under this that God was working another plan, bringing about the salvation of the whole world. I think that oftentimes missionaries find themselves 
in this type of circumstance in this situation. If you think about it, when a missionary uh, comes from the United States and goes to a foreign country, what they've done is they have subjugated themselves to that country's rules. And they don't have the same privileges. They don't have the, 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 uh, the citizenship. And so they don't have the same rights in other countries. And there's a lot of times where I think that works as a disadvantage in some ways, but an advantage in other ways. I mean, if you think about it, if you're a missionary, you're going to a, a foreign land, you have no rights of what the normal citizens have. There's limitations to where you can go. There's limitations to what you can do. And it seems that maybe that would make the mission a lot harder. But there's something that wins over the locals. And I think it's the fact that they know that that missionary is there on mission, that they are, they are not uh, re- receiving the same rights and privileges that everyone else there is. That they're a foreigner in a strange land, they're uncomfortable, and they make sacrifices to be there. I think sometimes if you're a missionary in a foreign country, that earns you a hearing from the locals. Because they know that you're a foreigner in a strange land. They know that you have made sacrifices, that you've given up your rights even to be there, to be used by God in some special way. I think sometimes people will listen more oftentimes, because they see that the message actually costs the person something. You see those missionaries' words carry weight because of their hardships and because of the sacrifices they've made. Which really brings us uh, to a very uh, important statement this morning. Sometimes Christians are called to give up something they love for something they love more. Sometimes we're called as Christians to give up something that we love for something that we love more. We are called sometimes by God to give up our status, to give up our rights, to give up our privileges, and to lay them down, to put them aside. We like and even love those things, but we sacrifice those things for the greater call and for the glory of the kingdom of God. And sometimes you can see God's glory work best when you make those type of of sacrifices, and when you lose your rights, when you give those up for something that is a greater good. Matthew 10, 39, Jesus reminds us of this. He says, whoever finds his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. If you want to find your life, then sometimes you've got to give it away. Sometimes that means you might Lose your rights, but God could use that for greater glory. The second thing I want us to get from the passage today is that God has a journey for you. God has a journey for you. Uh, There in verse 4, it says that Joseph went up from Galilee from the town of Nazareth, his hometown. He was a hometown guy. His hometown area to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of lineage of David, and that he and Mary, his betrothed, was with child. And they were going to make this journey and go to this place. And, and I think there's a lot of times we as Christians need to understand that God has a place for us. God has a journey for us. It seems that if you were marrying Joseph, you probably think that things went from bad to worse. I mean, we talked about it last week about how it was locally for them in Nazareth and how there may have been whispers and, and judgment and, and they may have been the, the talk of the town because of the situation with the baby. And now they find themselves displaced, going to a foreign part of their land with a taxation issue. This was no Christmas vacation. They had to make this intense journey while Mary was great with child. And I'm sure that Mary felt like, man, my life is so off 
kilter right now. She probably wanted to nest and to find some type of stability for her, a place to live even. And while traveling, it had been impossible for her to get comfortable, even if she was sitting down. They might have had a donkey. I know we see that on all the Christmas cards and all the Christmas pictures that you know, Mary, of course, made that journey on a donkey, but it doesn't ever say that in Scripture. She very well could have made that journey on foot, which is why the time that they arrived to Bethlehem was the time to have the baby either bouncing on the back of a donkey or making a long walk can sometimes uh, bring that about. And it was at this point that I think Mary and Joseph's life, they really felt like it was in upheaval. We're, we're pregnant by the Holy Spirit. We're coming to a strange town. Everything had changed. The world had been rocked. And yet they were still moving forward to fulfill the purpose of God. And God had that purpose for them in a town called Bethlehem. There's a prophecy about that in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, that was actually given hundreds of years before. Listen to what it says. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me the one who is to be the ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient of days. Bethlehem was God's plan. The small city was a critical part of the promise that God had made long ago about the coming Messiah. This was one of the big signs. The great big plan that God had required that Mary and Joseph go on an arduous journey. Sometimes, it's a good reminder for us that to get where we need to be, God takes us on a journey. And sometimes it's on that journey that we grow the most. There's a psychological model it's called the learning zone model. Several doctors um, have studied, studied this, and they've come up with three areas of, of, of this learning model. model. It, there's the comfort zone, there's the learning zone, and then there's the panic zone. And what they've found out is that if you're in the comfort zone, there's not a whole lot of learning, and if you're in the panic zone, there's not a whole lot of learning. It's somewhere in the middle between the two. Not that you're totally 100% comfortable, and not that you're um, 100% you know, uh, panicked, but that somewhere in the middle there is the learning zone. That that seems to be the area where most people learn the most and learn the best. They would say that the significant growth in a person takes place when you're not in one extreme or the other. Many of us, I think, have this false conception that if God is leading us, then if He's leading us, the journey will be easy. The journey will be safe. It will be comfortable. And it will always make sense to us. But if you look at anyone God used for amazing work in the Scriptures, you will oftentimes find hardship. You'll find these Bible characters out of the comfort zone and finding themselves somewhere in the learning zone. And it seems like God does His best work in people when they stay there. Blessings and hardships sometimes work hand in hand. You see, God's journey for our lives is a struggle because it takes us from a place of comfort to a place that God has for us. You ever been there? You ever been at a time in life where you had that happen? I remember for uh, Amy and I, we were out of ministry for uh, about nine months. It never really felt like a, a call to be out of ministry. I felt like I needed to be back in full-time ministry. And so uh, we applied uh, to a church in Colorado and uh, didn't know anything about this church, didn't know anything about these people, really felt a heavy call from God that, hey, we need, we need to go, we need to answer this call, and we need to actually go, and we need to actually 
um, answer the call of God and be there and serve there. And so uh, I left uh, Capital One Financial, the credit card company. I was in IT there. I took a massive pay cut and moved to Paonia, Colorado. Now, if you talk about a journey, you talk about a time where everything was uncomfortable and everything was in disarray, this, this was it for us. But man, we saw some amazing things happen in that ministry in Colorado. We saw God move in amazing ways. We saw him even begin to form and to change us into who he wanted us to be. And it was a journey of trust. It was a journey that was uncomfortable. How many of you have been to Paonia? How many of you? All right. One, two. All right. We had one in first service, so we're, we're well covered here that we've got three people in the entire church that even know where that place is. But it was, it was there that God did some amazing work. It was a journey, and it was uncomfortable, and it took us away from home, and it took us to a faraway land that was very, very different than the culture that we were in. But, you know, Fort Worth, Texas to Paonia, Colorado was culture shock. But God did some amazing things there. And sometimes I think that wherever he's calling us, it's about the journey of our lives. It's about the struggle that might ensue. It's about getting away from a place of comfort and getting to a place God has for us. You may feel like that you are robbed of comfort right now in your life. You may feel like there's nothing easy in my life right now. Life is hard. Everywhere I turn, it's hard, it's hard, it's hard. But there's no reason for panic. There's really no reason for complaint. Though sometimes I know those feelings are real. And those are a real struggle for people. But the journey sometimes positions us for God's promise. And we can be sure that if God has planned a journey for us, He will go along with us. More than that, Scripture says that He will prepare the way for us. He will never leave you and He will never forsake you if you'll walk within His ways. Just like Mary and Joseph had a journey I think God has a journey for us. The third thing I want you to get from this passage this morning is that God also has a place for you. God also has a place for you. Look at verses 6 and 7. It says, While they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. The Savior of the world, the Son of God, is born. And there's no room for him. Think about that statement. There's no room for God. No room for God. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. I think sometimes it's easy for us here in the 21st century, it's easy for us to scoff at this notion that, you know, shame on the innkeeper and his family that would put Mary and Joseph out in the cold, not give them an indoor room for such a special birth. But let alone any birth. I mean, any pregnant lady that was about to give birth, you think, get them inside. Find a place for them. Move somebody. Do something. I think it speaks to the fact that Bethlehem was crowded. It was full of people and selfish people at that. And when you think about it, how could there possibly be a perfect place for the Son of God to be born? I mean, the God-child comes into the world taking on the form of man. What looks perfect for that? Is there any earthly accommodation really that is adequate enough for such an event? Well, of course. (laughs) Of course there was no room for them in the end. Nothing like this in the history of the world had ever happened or would ever happen again. It was a singular moment. 
that God had chosen. It was completely God-controlled and God-inspired. And as believers, our lives should frequently feel sometimes like there's no room for us in the end. We should feel like we are displaced. We should feel that we never fully fit in because our lives are God-inspired. We are not at home in this world because we are not created for this world. This world cannot, cannot be our only purpose. People should have a hard time fitting us into a box as Christ followers. You know, one of the funniest Christmas movies that I love to watch is the movie Elf. Has anyone in here ever seen Elf? Will Ferrell? Okay, about like first there's a lot of people have seen that one. Just to give you a little bit of background in case you haven't seen it. When Will's character was a baby, he accidentally crawled into Santa Claus's bag when he was making a visit. Santa Claus accidentally brings the baby back to the North Pole, and Santa and the elves decided to keep the baby. And for the rest of his childhood and into adulthood, he was raised like an elf. And unfortunately, he quickly outgrew the elf world because he was normal size man. You may say, why? Well, it's because he wasn't an elf. He was born different. And while it felt like he was being rejected or maybe there was no room for him in the North Pole, he was born to live a different life than that of the elves. And now, while we aren't humans living in an elf world we are eternal creatures living in a temporary world and we won't always fit in and we're called to be different and we were born to be something different in philippians chapter 3 verses 20 and 21 it reminds us of that look at this scripture it says but our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things unto himself. And so if you're struggling and you feel out of place, you feel out of sorts in this world, you ever feel like you perfectly fit in, you never feel fully 100% comfortable, then maybe that's God's calling on your life. And we should say as Christians, that's good. And that's normal. Because you're in good company. When you follow God through life and you find yourself blazing new trails and, and going, you're following Jesus to a place you've never been. And that might be the exact place for you. The place you've never been where you're walking in faith with God. The good news is that God will prepare the place for you. Though the accommodations may not be as you expected. God always calls the hearts of believers to prepare him room. Remember the song, let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. You see, the key to all of this is to trust God. The key to all of this is to trust God and to trust him more than you trust yourself and to trust him more than anything in this world. It means trusting God is enough for you to be what He has created you to be. For you to be brave enough to stay on the pathway of the new life that He has called you to. It says that as believers, we are not to walk in the old ways of life, but we are a new creation and we're walking in newness of life. We do not conform any longer to the pattern of the world, but we're being renewed daily in our minds through the Spirit. And because of that, as you go through life, and you find yourself struggling, and you find yourself uncomfortable, 
Maybe you need to understand that that might be the predetermined place for you. That is your place in the world. Because this is not the final resting place. This is not home. Chances are that your journey in this life is not going to look like everyone else's either. You can think of your situation. You can think of your life circumstances. And you can see that it's different than your friends. Different than other family members. And that's because God has a unique place for you. In the great story that he's telling, you actually have a very specific role and a very specific purpose. You're not called to be like everyone else. You're not called to play another person's role. You are called to do what God has uniquely designed you to do. And there's this unique journey that you're going to be on with him that is mapped out for you. But you need to remember that God has a place for you. The question you have to ask yourself this morning is, are you going to trust Him? Are you going to have your faith be brave enough to take the step to follow? Are you humble enough to be called into discomfort and maybe even a little bit of chaos so that God can do some significant work there? Maybe the question you really need to answer is the one we talked about earlier. Are you willing to give up something you love or something that you love even more this Christmas? Because life is not always easy. And life is at times going to feel out of control and chaotic. And I imagine in a, in a room this size, there's many of you that could say, yeah, if you only knew what was really going on. If you know what was really going on in my family right now, if you really know what's going on at work right now, if you know what I was struggling with internally right now, if you really knew. But I think the answer would be the same. You choose to trust the Lord. Put yourself in Mary and Joseph's shoes. All that they had to do, all that they had to go through to wind up in Bethlehem and to give birth to the Savior of the world in such humble circumstances, including feeding troughs, including a stable, that they chose to trust God all the way through. And you see the end result when you trust God. When you allow His work in your life and you allow yourself to yield to His plan and to yield to His will and to yield to His ways. You might see something significant happen. You might see a game changer, a life changer. You might just see that you're drawing even closer to a baby born in a manger in Bethlehem. Let's pray.